are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit AaronDonnelly.com. And now, the show that only thinks it's funny, the Think Funny Podcast. Welcome to the Think Funny Podcast. This is Aaron Donnelly. I am here with my co-host, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hello, everyone. And special uh, guest co-host this week, Chad Gibbs. Uh, Chad is the author of the novels The Rome of Fall and Two Like Me and You, which won the 2019 Ruberry Book Award for Young Adult Fiction. He's been on CNN, Washington Post. He's written for newspapers and all kinds of stuff. He was a morbidly obese baby, <laughs> which there's a great photo. Maybe we'll put up uh, afterwards. That I'll have to show you guys this photo. It's like the he looks like the Incredible Hulk in a in a diaper. And I don't, how much did you weigh chad at the time i think i was 24 pounds at eight months yeah awesome what's the line what's the borderline between just obese and then morbidly obese i think rolls you have to count the rolls oh arms and legs and how about back of the neck i know a lot of people that have the pack of hot dogs look on the back of the neck so (laughs) it's not a bad look not a not a great look But I like to challenge uh, Chad, Baby Gibbs online to various cage matches. There's lots of challenges out there, Chad, you may not even be aware of on various websites <laughs> in the dark web where I challenge uh, Baby Gibbs. <laughs> and I go for no mercy. I go for the groin because Baby Gibbs, mercy is an insult to the core of Baby Gibbs. Uh, so. <laughs> yes. It's just a and you're not a big guy. You're a normal-sized no, man. No, I've slimmed down a lot since I was in You've lost weight since you were eight months old. Um. You know, Chad, uh, Chad and I have been friends for a long time. Um, we were part of that Burnside Writers Collective group, and we were actually the comedy editors of the Burnside Writers <laughs> Collective together. How's your, how's your week been, Chad? <laughs> so far, so good. Oh, that's good. I got stung by a bee riding my motorcycle. So I was riding my motorcycle, and I had a Grateful Dead plan. It was a Saturday. And I had a thought come to me. You know how, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but, like, technology is a big new thing, and people are making a lot of money doing it. So I thought about a, a software program like Zoom, except it could be called Mime, where there's no sound. You don't have to worry about sound. It's just miming. And we would get some famous mimes to promote it. It's good for conversations <laughs> involving uh, describing tug of war or taking glasses down. <laughs> and so who, who anyway, I had the famous mimes. <laughs> Actually, uh, I tagged Marcel Marceau in a tweet one time, and then the official Marcel Marceau Twitter account like wrote me just to say thank you for the mention Whoa. or something. Yeah, I've written so many jokes that involved him. I, I wrote a whole short story once about how in an alternate universe in World War II, the French army was just mimes, and they get absolutely <laughs> slaughtered immediately. Like they're mime paratroopers, but they have no parachute. That's good. And they're like mime tank guys, but they have no tank. And then are they really dead or just? Playing dead? No, dead. Real, real dead. But kind of hamming it up that last second as they die. Um, I think the joke that I wrote about him that day was, I wonder if at Marcel Marceau's funeral there was a moment of silence or if it just went without saying. (laughs) So, So anyway, I was riding and then I got stung by, I got a bee fly up in between my sunglasses and my eyeball and get stuck in the lens <laughs> while you're going like 55 on a motorcycle it's a frightening experience and then so fortunately it didn't sting me and then the next bee hit me in the lip and like hung on for like a second and then took off and then i had a third bee fly up my shorts and and sting me in the upper groin area oh, uh, upper thigh so now it itches 
and I'm like groaning and scratching aggressively. <laughs> it's a, Were you driving up a tree <laughs> into a beehive? Following a honey truck. <laughs> I haven't got stung by four or five bees in my life, Aaron. What did you do? I literally like swore and I like hit the brakes and pulled over and then I almost was crying. I was like, I'm going home. I said that to myself. <laughs> turned around. All right, so let's get into this week in history. Nate, why don't you start us off with the, uh, what's the show called, Nate? I'm going to do the depressed version <laughs> that I promised, because now I'm really feeling it. So. All right, let's do it. This week in history. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week in history, we're covering August 23rd through August 29th. Start off with August 23rd. In 1937, a legless swimmer known as the Human Fish starts a six-day, 150-mile swim. He would swim from a pier in Albany, New York, to the 125th Street Ferry Dock in New York City. Uh, really? The 46-year-old Charlie Zimmy lost his legs at age nine in an accident, and his legless body provided enough buoyancy to float. I'm looking at a picture of him. He's smiling. He looks pretty happy for a guy with no legs. Guys, all the guys with no have like are just a torso are like... He went on to father 12 children and found certain, you know, they're really successful guys. I always thought it'd be cool to be like, have one arm on one side and the leg on the other side. (laughs) I don't know why. Stockholm syndrome, August 23rd, 1973. So everybody knows Stockholm syndrome from the Patty Hearst situation, but it started out as a hostage situation in Stockholm. Uh, There was a bank robbery and they, they put the hostages in a safe or a vault. They ended up building a relationship with the kidnappers when they let them out, they wouldn't testify against their kidnappers. And they even started a fundraising campaign to uh, provide for the kidnappers' defense. So it became known as Stockholm Syndrome, this condition where you build up an affinity for your kidnapper, or if you're in a situation like that with people. So I don't, do you guys know much about Patty Hearst? No, I don't. Yeah, it's it's actually a really fascinating story. So she was the granddaughter of William Randolph Hearst, the famous newspaper guy, and Citizen Kane was based on him. Um, she was a 19-year-old student at Berkeley. She was kidnapped from her apartment by the, this group called the Sibionese Liberation Army, and they were just an urban guerrilla group is what they called themselves. They demanded a ransom from her father that he give $70 in food relief to every needy Californian in order to get her release. So <clears throat> what they did was they... They kidnapped her, they put her in a closet, they beat her and raped her, and she was in the closet for, I think, a couple of weeks. Um, as a coping mechanism, she began to bond with her captives and ultimately joined them. So she was caught on video carrying a semi-automatic rifle in one of their bank robberies. And then later, she would release a video claiming that she was with the group now. Her name was changed to Tanya. And then when the police finally found them, they raided the group. It was the largest raid in California history. There were 374 officers, and they fired 6,000 rounds of ammunition in this house, and they set it on fire. She escaped. I'm not sure if she was there, but two others with her, and they lived in a barn for two months. When they finally captured her, she was 87 pounds and like out of it mentally. Her lawyers claimed Stockholm Syndrome, but she was still sentenced to seven years. Jimmy Carter commuted her sentence, and Bill Clinton issued her a full pardon. Uh, she went on to be an AIDS rights activist and actress, including a role in the Pauly Shore film Biodome. <laughs> Whoa. You guys didn't know I was going to take that route with it. But, uh, yeah. Imagine going on a blind date with Patty Hearst. Like, what would you possibly have to say that's interesting? 
<laughs> See, I, I wonder how long you would have, like, the first instance, the one that, that coined the term, like, it did, I read about that. It wasn't very long, was it? It was just like two or three days? That they yeah, were, you're right. Yep. How long? I feel like it would take longer for me to, to start to sympathize with the people <laughs> holding me hostage than a couple of days. Yeah, it depends. I mean, like, I went on, I had a similar situation where in high school, Matt, do you remember Fred Maines? Yes. <laughs> okay. Nate, do you remember Fred? Yeah. <laughs> so I went out with Fred one night and we went and did a thing called fox hunting, which is where they get a bunch of people that have CBs in their car and one person hides and then the other people chase them around town all night trying to find them based on the signal power of the CB. <laughs> and so I had experience where I'm coming home and I'm thinking maybe I should get a CB. Maybe this fox hunting thing is the future. Because if you <laughs> want more friends, you definitely want a CB radio in your car. <laughs> So uh, it doesn't take long to get Stockholm Syndrome. I had this is a day that uh, William Wallace uh, was executed back in 1305. Um, William Wallace was made famous by the movie Braveheart, came out in 1995. Um, But what's interesting is, is the way that he died uh, was one of the most horrific ways that you could die back in the Middle Ages. Um, he was drawn and quartered. Oh. Um, I didn't really know what that was, um, but I looked it up. <laughs> right. And uh, it's, he's, he was drugged by horse throughout London. Then he was hung to the point where he was almost dead, but not quite. Then he had his abdomen cut open while he's still alive, had his intestines ripped out in front of his face, and they lit the intestines on fire while he's, well, probably dead by now. But then um, he was emasculated, had his privates cut off. Then he was beheaded, cut into four pieces, and his head was put into tar to uh, keep it (laughs) fresh, I guess. Uh, And it was put on a spike uh, on top of the London Bridge. And then the other parts were uh, spread out throughout the kingdom to let people know uh, not to be a traitor. But at least he was hung. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was the go-to Middle Ages move is everybody's head on a pike. It's like your best friend and the next day head on a pike. It sounds like the uh, the death scene wasn't gruesome enough, which yeah. no, I needed I more. Would, I would to it. Yeah. So much time and energy over he's already dead and continuing to do things and orchestrate plans and it's weird to keep investing that much energy into it. <laughs> I think that's why they stopped doing it. It's not because it was a, not a deterrent, but they just got tired of all It was the a work. logistics nightmare <laughs> to quarter people. It was too much work, so they, they just hung them. Just Both <laughs> arms ended up in one quadrant, and they're like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we got to spread these out. Come on. It's not even his arm. It's somebody else's arm. August 23rd, 1938, you know that screen that you used to see? Well, we probably never did, but you see it sometimes on old TVs or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's got the Indian head. It's mm-hmm. got the, for the adjustment and all that. Anyway, that came out and then it just reminded me, Matt, do you guys remember when TV used to go off yeah. the air? Yeah. yeah. And they play the national anthem or the Star Spangled Banner. I think like PBS might still do that. Radio then, uh, stations here used to too. Some, some would play uh, Dixie. When they went off? Oh yeah, because you're. Where are you uh, now? Alabama. If, uh, if you can't <laughs> tell from the accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the radio stations would play Dixie when they. Yes. <laughs> or they oh. play the Grateful Dead if they want you to shut the radio off even faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can I ask you a quick I, Alabama question? I have. Shoot it. I, so where do you live in Alabama? In Auburn. Oh yeah. So by Opelika, Columbus. Yes. Right. Okay. Beautiful up there. Love Alabama. Love driving through it. 
Uh, my one question. When you get into southern Alabama, every roadside place is something and firewood. Why is that? <laughs> I'm not crazy. I noticed it last time, and I tried to count in my head, and I counted way over 50 places on the side of the road that were like something and firewood. Why so much firewood? See, I don't know, because it's never, we don't need a lot of fires in the winter. It's not that cold. Firewood, the foundation of the Alabama economy, is built on firewood, $5 stacks. <laughs> I'm going to have to reassess the situation when I drive through Alabama again. But love, I, love, I, I go out of my way to drive through Alabama. That's how much I hate Georgia. Oh, yeah. I-75 I is rough. Uh, I just drove it last week, so yeah, I know. Anyway. Um. I remember uh, the one time I, rem- I do remember seeing the thrush angled banner go off and the static was, I knocked my head at grandma's house, Matt, and mm-hmm. she wouldn't let you fall asleep if you ever hit your head. Yeah. <laughs> like, she was worried you wouldn't wake up. Yeah. yeah. Which is an old wives tale. It's not true. As far as I can tell, you, you should probably, you need sleep as long as you're coherent, but it got me thinking of other old wives tales. And one of them was uh, cracking knuckles gives arthritis. And uh, I crack my toe repeatedly. I do it so much that every night, probably, we'll just be watching TV and my wife will just say, toe. And uh, I do it subconsciously. But then I, I Googled it. And another one, and this is a great one, is that eating cheese before going to bed produces strange dreams. Have you heard this one? No. Really? I, I eat way more cheese than the average person. I throw <laughs> off the curve. Just like when I read uh, the average person swallows eight spiders a year. I was hoping there's like some dude in a shack in West Virginia that swallowed like 400 spiders this year and it threw the curve off and then I didn't swallow any. So, (laughs) Uh, um, yeah. So, so regarding the cheese stuff, there was a study that came out from the British cheese board. I would want to be on that board. It'd be an entertaining board, I think, to be on. Um, but they said that it actually is true, and it changes based on the type of cheese you eat before you go to bed. So according to them, blue cheese gives you very odd, bizarre dreams. Cheddar makes you likely to dream of celebrities. And there's one called Red Luster, and it gives you nostalgic dreams of childhood. So um, Wait, that's a name of a cheese? Yeah, Red Luster. That'd be like a popular. great like, punk rock band name. Yeah, like, Red we Lester. are Red Lester. <laughs> and I believe if you eat uh, generic craft singles, you dream you're locked in a Kmart with uh, legendary bass fisherman Babe Winkleman. <laughs> it's not a bad dream, it's just a different dream. I got Louis the uh, 16th, was born August 23rd, 1754, married to Marie Antoinette, famously beheaded. And this is a great French 18th century complaint. Marie Antoinette complained about the different sizes of handkerchiefs that were too large to be fashionable. <laughs> so uh, he, he determined, he made a decree, a law, that all handkerchiefs be square and of un- uniform size. And that's the same size they are today uh, because of him. He must have really loved her to change all the <laughs> handkerchief size. <laughs> and then, you know, there was a guy whose job it was to go around the town and check the sizes of the handkerchiefs. That's what I'm thinking. Drawn and quartered if they weren't right. So. You, you want me to do what now? I mean, they, you know, they, they ended up beheading him for the, the peasants, but he was creating jobs. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Is there anything grosser than a handkerchief? I cannot believe that. Do they still exist? Do people still use them in the South to do that? It seems like something they might use down there. I know. I know people that do. It's the grossest thing mm-hmm. ever. Yep. 
And when the lady cries, you're supposed to hand it to her to rub on her face. (laughs) (laughs) Here. Is it a daily change of the handkerchief or do you go like a week out? The person I'm thinking of, it's never been washed. Uh, And I was trying to grab a hold of something. I was working on the engine of my car once and that person was like, here, you can use this. And I'm like, (laughs) by the time I had my hand out, it was too late. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> now what? <laughs> Maybe it's self-cleaning. Like you know how you don't have to clean a grill very often. It adds the flavor. <laughs> if you, uh, um, about this though. Uh, okay, so recently an Italian family came forward claiming to have a a decorative gourd. Inside the gourd was a handkerchief dipped in Louis the Sixteenth uh, blood after his beheading. And scientists hmm. were able to compare it to familial DNA because there was a mummified head of one of his descendants, Henry the Fourth, and they confirmed that it actually was his blood on this handkerchief. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that's what's going on in France these days. <laughs> August twenty fourth. Pete Rose was banned from baseball. And this would have been circa sixth grade for me. So I was, you know, pretty big baseball guy at that time. And then yeah. uh, it was by Bart Giamatti was the, uh, the commissioner. And I don't know if you remember Bart Giamatti dies like two weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like the big, you know, middle school rumor was that Pete Rose killed him. And oh. I've never been able to sort of separate those two things in my head. I've always sort of assumed that Pete Rose killed Bart Giamatti. Yeah. Which is reason enough for me to say he should still be banned from baseball because he killed the commissioner. <laughs> whether, he, whether he gambled or not. I remember this now. Wow. You're triggering a memory that has been buried. But I do remember <laughs> that was kind of the. Because this is pre-internet era, pre-anything era, but that was kind of an urban legend that he <laughs> like ordered a hit on him or something. Or <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, thanks for bringing that back. But Giamatti's haunting him from the grave, though, because I don't think Pete Rose will ever be reinstated because they don't want to undo what Giamatti did. No, while he was commissioner, and he died right after. So there's no, there's no escaping it. Pete Rose will never be reinstated. He's done. <laughs> He's Ty Cobb, Ty Cobb went in the stands and beat a guy within an inch of his death, <laughs> and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, has no. Pete Rose had the same haircut his entire life? <laughs> I think about that. He's saving he's money. Every single picture is, is exactly the same. My dad's got a picture of himself with Pete Rose, and Pete Rose has the same haircut in that one too, and it's from just a couple years ago. Mount Vesuvius uh, buries Pompeii, August 24th, AD 79. It's regarded, still active, regarded as one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world. Um, but the fascinating thing is, have you guys seen the tweet uh, that went out? There was a picture of a guy, a masturbating man, a corpse that they found there. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. <laughs> that he's like lying on the ground on his back and he looks like he's you know, trying to finish one off before the volcano got to him. It's uh yeah, it's called masturbating man. Um, so I researched into it. I was like, is this, is this an urban legend? The picture is real, but the heat was so intense that many of the people suffered, uh, they suffered in, like in, basically instant muscle contractions. So they were left in these weird pro, uh, stages, you know, their body positions. So <laughs> I, I was thinking like, what kind of man is this? Like, obviously he's a man with priorities, <laughs> but what if he like lived his whole life trying to provide like a good safe home for his wife and kids, took care of the needy, worked hard. Life had its ups and downs when things were looking up and then a volcano explodes and he's frozen like that forever. <laughs> and, you know, as masturbating man around the world. 
Well, I mean, at least he didn't have his wallet on him and they can't identify him and be like, this is who he was. And, yeah. I guess, and I'm going to probably play some crickets after I say this one, but the question is, did he see it coming? I had an yeah. interesting baseball story, another one. It's the story of Ray Caldwell, who was a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. And in 1919, while he was on the mound, he was struck by lightning. But the amazing thing was he had, he had gone eight and two thirds. And so he was almost done with the complete game. He gets struck by lightning, knocks him down. It like goes through the top of his head at the bottom of his feet. He ends up finishing the game and uh, getting a complete game out of it. What really? the hell? <laughs> yeah, I know. You talk about tough guys. Get hit by lightning. You you stand up and you finish the game. <laughs> so they, so they didn't have him on a pitch count then, I guess. No, no, no. Lightning <laughs> strike count? It, re- it resets if you get hit by lightning. Alfred Eisenstadt uh, died August 24th, 1995. He was the guy... Famous photographer. He took a picture of the the sailor kissing the nurse in Times Square on VJ Day. And then what's interesting about that is it's never been proven who those people were. They were random strangers that just walked up to each other and kissed. And so there's been some front runners and people have come forward and like there's been I think even books written about people claiming to be the the either one of them. But uh, yeah, it's just fascinating that that they still don't have that mystery solved. A physicist determined it took place at 5:51 p.m. on that day. <laughs> there's a there's a birthmark on the sailor's hand. So if you have information, please email <laughs> thinkpodcast at gmail.com. Hmm. Yeah. You think there'd have to be some way. For facial recognition of all the other people, maybe? I don't know. Do you want to know, uh, just a little off topic, but something I've always noticed about that picture, like he's really into it, but her arm's not around him. Yeah. Yeah. I've always found that odd. Like, I think he's enjoying that way more than she is. Well, someone graffitied, uh, there's a big statue of it, I don't remember where, I think in Florida, and they graffitied it with Me Too stuff because it's like, it looks like it was non-consensual. Happy birthday to Steve Gutenberg. Yes. You know what's funny about that is uh, in 1456, the Gutenberg Bible was finished. Interesting. Uh, that's not a coincidence, man. Yeah. He uh, he's in one of my favorite Simpsons episodes, the Stonecutters episode, when they sing, uh, "Who holds back the electric car? Who makes Steve Gutenberg a star?" So <laughs> you know they're doing a remake of Three Men and a Baby with Zac Efron. Why? I don't. Know. I don't have the answers, Nate. I just have how, how many minutes screen time does Zac Efron have his shirt off in that movie? Yeah. There's that doc. He's on some kind of documentary thing on Netflix. Yeah, he keeps coming up and it bugs me. Me too. I don't want to watch it. What's he say there? He says something in like Spanish or something. I'm like, shut up. Like he's trying to pretend like there's any depth to him. I don't want to have an evening of watching him travel the world with his shirt off and my wife sitting next to me. That's not a good evening for me. (laughs) (laughs) Pontificating about life. Let her watch it and play your cards right. <laughs> Do you guys remember the scene in Three Minute of Baby where it was pa- where you pause and you see the ghost? The ghost, yeah. You think the ghost will be in the new movie? I don't know, but uh, it, it's, it was just a it was a cardboard cutout of Tom uh, of a Tom ghost, Tom. Jack of a ghost of Ted Danson. Yeah, and somebody stuck behind a window, and you can see a guy standing there. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. 
Is that is the third guy Tom Selleck in that, right? Yeah, Tom Selleck. Man, I love Tom Selleck. I just saw yeah. Tom Selleck. He's uh he's pushing reverse mortgages these days. Oh no. Is he falling to that point where yeah. he's gonna be selling old people anti robot insurance and <laughs> making sure that we buy gold bullion? Wilford Brimley died. Yeah. Recently, so there's a lot of lot of work out there to a lot of jobs. There's, to a, there's a vacuum. All right, August 25th. Here's one for Nate. Uh, Moonlight Graham, the baseball player and physician, yes. was born yeah. in 1879. Gets made famous. Is he a real person? Yeah, real person. No at uh, bats. That's a movie that I don't even know if you could improve upon that movie because for however many times I have seen Field of Dreams, I have cried that many times. It hits something in me that I can't even put in words. So mm-hmm. That movie for me is Babe, the pig movie. Yeah, oh, I can I see that. Yeah, I don't know why. It, the, the end. I can't. I can't watch it in public with, with people around. It gets me. The, the that'll do huh. pig line every time. Speaking of movies, The Wizard of Oz came out on August twenty fifth, nineteen thirty nine. So part of our inheritance, Matt, is an autograph of the head Munchkin, which was proudly displayed in our living room growing up. <laughs> there's gonna be a there's gonna be a major custody fight over that one. <laughs> Uh, I actually have a lot of empathy for little people. I mean, can you imagine like, I mean, no, no one has control over how you're, what you're born into or what body or anything. And, you know, they have to deal with that every single day. And I, so I started researching the Munchkins and they were, um, they largely escaped Nazi Germany. You know, the Hitler mm-hmm. was trying to exterminate, you know, people like that. So a lot of them, most of them, I don't think spoke English. They were paid very little. They had a, a manager that ripped them off. Um, they, they were, were paid, paid le- very little. Yeah. <laughs> they were paid less than Toto the dog, apparently. Um, but then some, some crazy, st- like it would be a great movie, honestly, a Munchkin movie, like, cause some pretty crazy stuff came out about him. Like Judy Garland's ex-husband, uh, was writing a, a memoir before he died. He didn't publish it, but in it, they discovered that he would talk about how they would stay in their makeup and hit the bars of Culver city, getting drunk and yelling and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be hung over on set and put their hands up Judy Garland's dress. Uh, according to him, they engaged in orgies and illegal gambling. Police had to be stationed on each floor of the hotel they were staying in. And this is a quote from Bert Lahr, the guy who played the Cowardly Lion. He wrote, Many of the Munchkins made their living by panhandling, pimping, and whoring. The guy that was born that uh, supervised the construction of the Berlin Wall, Eric Honecker. Which no one ever said he did a bad job. The construction was good on the Berlin Wall. <laughs> it lasted, it yeah. yeah. It was pretty well. It took no less than David Hasselhoff hits to bring it down. <laughs> Gold records. <laughs> um, Germans have a lot to be ashamed of historically, but why, the fascination with David Hasselhoff has to rank up there. Nietzsche died August 25th, 1900. Went crazy after, I guess he got syphilis in a whorehouse. And uh, I've heard like it was like his first time and he got syphilis. And then, uh huh. That's great. Yeah, he tried to get this woman to marry him repeatedly and she wouldn't. And then he eventually went crazy. He died at a young age. The thing that's interesting 
to me is I was playing a basketball game against Reed College in Portland, which is like one of the most liberal colleges in the United States. And they were chanting. They had signs that said, God is dead. Nietzsche's great. They had all these chants going. <laughs> and I just, it, like, it was so fascinating to me. Like, I was looking at all the guys on my team that I didn't like, and I was like, man, I wish I was with those guys over there. <laughs> it was just a really bizarre spectacle just to watch. I was like, this basketball game means nothing. Like, we're nobodies. What are you doing? <laughs> Wasting your time. Who, on us. who won? I don't know. We were both horrible. Like, <laughs> like there. I think there were guys on like Reed's team like didn't even have like tennis shoes on. It was a. It wasn't an official college ball <laughs> game. <laughs> was there at least one guy in penny loafers? <laughs> yeah, they all had tweed jackets on. So when Nietzsche was dying of syphilis, did he say? Uh, this isn't making me stronger. This is actually just killing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's last word. They're like, okay, sure, Nietzsche. Okay, August 26th is a big one. Well, actually, it's happening today. Uh, women's right to vote. It was ratified today. But I think it was um, enacted on August 26th, 100-year anniversary of women's uh, right to vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I uh, found a pamphlet of, I was like, I was like, I wonder what the arguments against the the women's right to vote back in the day were. So I found a pamphlet for the opposition to women's suffrage, and it is the most old timey thing ever. It's like, uh, here's here's one. This is great because in some states, more voting women than voting men will place the government under petticoat rule. <laughs> that was <laughs> one of the arguments. Uh, and then on the back of it, they had all these tips for housewives for cleaning that were like jokes involved. Like it was like they were goading them. It, one of them says, you don't need a ballot to clean out your sink. A handful of potash and some boiling water is quicker and cheaper. Like they're just like being completely belligerent. Um, who, who has potash sitting around? <laughs> yeah. So they had all these, uh, let's see. Control of temper makes a happier home than control of elections. Uh, this one just says use oatmeal on a damp cloth to clean white paint. Now that's just good advice. Joseph Michel Montgolfier. Do you know who he is? No. French inventor. He and his brother Jacques Montgolfier invented the hot air balloon. In 1782, they made the first sustained flight of a hot air balloon the following year. Yes. So, I feel like cheers to pod- you. I feel like this podcast is like one of the hostile takeovers with, of companies. Nate's trying to steer it in hot air balloon podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Every attempt. I've been trying to work on the hot air balloon podcast, but I can't get it off the ground. All right. Uh, all right, August uh, 27th, you guys, or 26th, you guys got anything else? R.I.P. to uh, actor Ted Knight, who played one of my favorite characters in all of cinema, uh, Judge Smales in oh, Caddyshack. So, <laughs> Caddyshack is a daily quotable movie for me, so uh, R.I.P. to Ted Knight. Almost any time my children ask for food, I come back with, you'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, born August 27th, 1908. He always, when I think of the word SOB, it's Lyndon mm. Baines Johnson. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. He'd give people something called the Johnson treatment where he'd like stand <laughs> right or he'd like get right in their face and he was tall and he'd like inches away from their face and look at them. And then he'd always, he had a penchant for uh, pulling out his penis, which he called jumbo. I'm sure you guys have read those stories. <laughs> he'd have uh, reporters like follow him into the bathroom when he took a dump. He pulled out his penis to a group of reporters one time off the record. And, uh, but I'm going to play it because one of the great, great presidential recordings of all time is LBJ ordering pants over the phone. Hello. Hello. Uh, Mr. Hager? Yes, this is Joe Hager. Uh, Joe, uh, uh, is your father the one that uh, makes uh, clothes? Yes, sir. We're all together. You all made me some real lightweight slacks. Uh, uh, he just made up on his own, sent to me three or four months ago. It's a kind of a light brown and a light green, rather soft green and soft brown. Yes, now, I need about six pairs for summer wear. Yes, sir. I need about six pairs to wear around in the evening when I come in from work. And I can send you a pair. I want them a half an inch larger in the waist than they were before, except I want two or three inches of stuff left back in there so I can take them up. I vary 10 to 15 pounds a month. So uh, leave me at least two and a half, three inches in the back where I can let them out or take them up and put it, make these a half an inch bigger in the waist. Make the pockets at least an inch longer. Money, My money and my knife and everything fall out. We just Now, another thing, the crotch down where your nuts hang is always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me an inch that I can let out there uh, because they cut me. They're just like riding a, a wire fence. These are almost these are the best that I've had anywhere in the United States. But uh, uh, when I gain a little weight, they cut me under there. So leave me. Uh, you never do have much margin there. Let's see if you can't leave me about it an inch from the, where the zipper ends uh, around uh, under my back to my bunghole. So I can let it out there if I need to. Where would you like to please? The White House. Now would you like just a little more stride in the crotch? Yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. There was one interesting one here of a war I've never heard of. It said uh, the world's in uh, 1896, the world's shortest war was fought. It was called the Anglo-Zanzibar War, and it was fought between the United Kingdom and the Zanzibar Sultanate, and it last, the war lasted 38 minutes. <laughs> it said there was about 500 casualties. So, so who won? Huh. I'm, I'm assuming the UK. <laughs> Not and not the country I've never heard of. Zanz the Sultan of Zanzibar. You wonder if like the printing press had a bunch of they had to print two copies of who was going to win, like they do with the uh, the championship teams. Either way, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think they printed many of the Zanzibar Sultanate T-shirts. Brannock device, August twenty eighth, nineteen twenty eight. That is the patent for the foot measuring thing in Payless shoe stores when you put oh. your foot on it. And that just reminds me of like growing up as a kid. Like I was always nervous. I, like some kids grow up with uh, food insecurity. I grew up. We, we grew up with sock insecurity, <laughs> sock confidence insecurity. <laughs> so, like our socks were always hanging off. Like we call them quitters. Where'd we hear that from, Matt? Where the elastic gives out? You call them quitters. The Saturday <laughs> Night Live bit about quitters. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever had to go to a friend's house, there was like a moment of panic when it, where it was, are they going to make you take off your shoes? Because ours were always like dirty looking, grungy socks. What? Okay. So what color was the ring at the top of your socks? 
yellow and yellow. like yep. brown. Uh, mine was always yellow. Man. Aaron, you worked at a shoe store, didn't you? You said it was it like is. the hardest job you've ever had. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. <laughs> well, I had to work there by myself. And then my boss would always say, now I'm going to give you three more hours of work than you have time for. And I'd be like, thanks. I was so stressed. And then the one day where I'm like giving up, I sit on the floor. I'm like, I was up in the attic where the shoe, all the mismatched shoes were. And I was trying to match them. And I was just sweating up there. And I just was sitting there, like looking at, staring at the floor. And she, she of course, walks in that day and catches me. 1837, the... Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce is uh, first manufactured, which uh, has to be one of the worst sauces, I think. Oh, oh no, delicious. Worc- oh. Worcestershire. Matt, you've added an extra chur every time you've said it. <laughs> Worcestershire chur. This one made me laugh. August 28th, 1938, Charlie McCarthy, Edgar Bergen's ventriloquist dummy, is awarded. (laughs) I love what the degree is called. He's awarded a dummy degree, the degree of master of innuendo and snappy comebacks. That's (laughs) awesome. By the School of Speech at Northwestern University. So like a very well-esteemed college. And that was uh, the throwback to last week when I talked about that dummy, how Mae West had a was it FEC a violation investigation because of her um, her sexual talk with the dummy on the radio. <laughs> so, and I think the week before that we talked about Bo Cephas being named yeah. <laughs> after a dummy. Cool. So. so the new podcast is balloons and dummies. <laughs> it's a very narrow audience. It's a niche audience. There's some guys out there that are really into both. Reverend uh, Archibald Spooner died August 29th, 1930. He came up with uh, Spoonerisms. He would mess up on words that he'd say. And it's Spoonerism is when you mess up on a sentence by mixing letters, but the sentence still makes some sense. Like instead of uh, customary to kiss the bride, he said customary to cuss the bride. Oh. Uh, yeah. Another one is that uh, the Lord is a shoving leopard. And, and then the best one, I think this is Dorothy Parker, but hers is a bottle. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. That's awesome. Uh, you- 1862, the U.S. Bureau of Engraving and Printing is uh, formed. It's like a, just one guy with one of those wood, hot wood things <laughs> yeah. that you burn. That's like we were at uh, Hobby Lobby the other day, and I was telling Jenny, I'm going to walk up to the customer service and be like, you guys got any, got any pieces of wood with the word family on it? You got anything like that here? Because <laughs> that's the foundation of that store. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Chad, uh, thanks so much for being a part today, man. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, where can people find your work, Chad? I mean, if they just come over, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll print something <laughs> off. Uh, but apart from that, I have chadallengibbs.com and then you can order books through Amazon or anyone that sells books, you can get them from them. Yeah. So. What are you working on now? Working on a new book. It's sort of like a it's like a failed child actor that was in sort of a space franchise. Think sort of like Jake Lloyd from that was the original Anakin Skywalker. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who's like 20 years later and he just spends his life at these sort of sad sci-fi conventions signing autographs. It's that, that sounds like an awesome idea. It sounds like Galaxy Quest. Yes, that's way better. That's the lead. It's sort of a romantic comedy involving a guy like that. That's what that's wow. what, that's where we're at. 
That's awesome, man. Well, thanks again, man. I, I really appreciate Chad and your friend. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Hey, um, good to meet you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Think Funny Podcast. For Aaron, Do- for I'm Aaron Donnelly. For Nate Sadler, Matt Donnelly, and our very special guest, Chad Gibbs. Uh, check him out at chadgibbs.com. Is it Chad Gibbs or Chad Allen Gibbs? Chad Allen Gibbs. ChadAllenGibbs.com. Yeah, I think Chad Gibbs um, is just like a porn site now. <laughs> uh, and uh, if you want to email us, it's thinkfunnypodcast at gmail.com. And our Twitter is thinkfunnypodc1. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Now, another thing with crotch down where your nuts hang is always a little too tight. But see if you can't leave me about an inch from the, where the zipper ends back to my bunghole. Thanks for listening to Think Funny. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. If you have comments or topics for the guys, you can email them at thinkfunnypodcast at gmail.com. And check out aarondonley.com for today's show notes and much more. Mm-hmm.